This is Mind Salad, a program of diverse weekly discussions about mental wellness with a rotating panel of licensed professional mental health counselors on a variety of mental health topics with guests and information to help you sort through life struggles. The information that is provided on this program is for informational purposes only and is not meant to treat or diagnose any mental health condition or be a substitute for therapy. This week, your host is Yakita Renfro from New Beginnings Therapy and Healing. Hello and welcome to Mind Salad, a diverse discussion of mental wellness. I am your host today, Yakita Renfro, and I'll be with you for the next half hour. Today's salad topping topic is 30 minutes of our truths, racial focus within the family and community with my lovely guests, Brenda and Elise. Today, our guests are two lovely women that I have the pleasure of knowing, growing with, and learning from. And I just want to welcome you both here today. And I'm so excited for this show so that everyone can get a chance to experience these women as I am. So Elise and Brenda, welcome. Thank Good you. Thank you. Nice being here. If you're just tuning in, you're in for a great experience and a great treat. Again, I am your host, Yakita Renfro, on KPPF's talk show, Mind Salad, a diverse discussion about mental wellness. I don't want to waste any more time, and I want to jump right in with the first question. And I'm going to have this go to both of you and whoever wants to go first can. Um, can you share a bit about who you are, your background, and why this topic resonates with you? So this is Brenda, and just to give you some background, and I'm going to make it short because there's a long background, <laughs> um, but my parents um, migrated to Detroit from South Georgia, and so I was born in Detroit, but my parents, they separated when I was about 12 or 13 years old. Yeah. So with that, I was raised both in South Georgia and also Detroit. So with South Georgia, then it was segregated, mm -hmm. a white side, black side, dirt roads on the black side, the sidewalks on the oh, white wow. side, yeah. movie theaters where the blacks had to go up the white down, being served in places where you had to stand at a window in mm. order to eat. You couldn't go inside. Um, so from there, being my background growing up, I went into corporate America. Yeah. So in corporate America, I worked for an international corporation and was exposed to people of all nationalities. Um, it was not the 80s. 90s diversity was big yeah and I was a trainer in diversity so it's really a big part of my life I loved it then the learnings that I had I incorporate um, and it, it's just part of who I am and that is why I'm sitting here today because of that background yeah my experience and my values I love it I love it and what I love the most about what you shared is being able to see you know the the rough side of it and the yes. reality of what many of us have seen on tv you actually live through it but then yes. the flip side of it being able to be the very person to train other people in the very thing that you experience yes. i love that thank you so much brenda for sharing mm -hmm. elise hi my name is elise um i'm 45 i came from colorado i went to la california for quite a while and then i came back to colorado 
I went to school to be a cop. Mm. And then I decided I didn't have the guts to shoot anybody. Yeah. So I became a nurse. And that has been, I mean, that's very short, of course, but it's it will give you an immense background to where I've come from. I, I'm a Caucasian female, and I have two children. Um, I come from a pretty diverse background. I have quite a few different um, ethnicities and lifestyles, along with um, backgrounds and where they've come from mm-hmm. in my life. So that's been a pretty big influence to me. Thank you so much, Elise, for sharing that, too. When what, what I'm hoping everyone loves the most about this show is that we have two women on polar opposites of the spectrum. We have the lovely Caucasian woman and a lovely African-American woman. But if once we get through the show, you'll see how regardless of race, there are so many commonalities mm-hmm. of the pain, of the struggle, and then being able to overcome what we've what we've been through. Um, so going going to you, Elise, for this first question okay Um, as a Caucasian woman have you or what have been the struggles and conflicts you say maybe you had to come against within your family and within your community and I know you said you were from LA which we know LA is so diverse and then migrating to Colorado that can be a culture shock how was that for you I think a culture shock is definitely an understatement. I went from high school in LA and came out here to Colorado and I felt very out of place. I I was the minority in LA and then I came here and I was the majority um, as far as skin color goes. And it, it never dawned on me that there was anything different from LA because I kind of figured like that's just the way it was. Right, right. But when I came out here, there was a handful of black people, no Hispanics, um, a lot of white people. So I come from a lot of Hispanics in L.A. and Mm -hmm. I come out here and it was very interesting. I can say that. (laughs) Good Uh, choice of words. Yeah, I didn't know where to fit in. I didn't know where to go, um, who my, quote, people were. And... You know, eventually I found them. I ended up sitting at the, quote, black table because I I just, I was too strong-mouthed for white people and Mexicans didn't quite understand why I was wearing, you know, dickies and have creased t-shirts and things like that. So I ended up finding the people that were more accepting at the time. Mm. And that meant a lot to me. Uh, I think where... When it comes to being diverse, it wasn't diverse at all when I came out here. So I had to figure out ways to make it that way. Right. Friends from different walks of life, uh, different ethnicities in my life, and keep them close to me is how I felt. So that's very short for me. I didn't feel that it was a struggle. It was hard. Yes. And it was difficult to overcome, but it definitely wasn't something that is not able to be done. You can overcome it. You can think through it Mm -hmm. and create a process for yourself that says, okay, this is what I'm willing to put up with. And this is what I'm not willing to put up with. The boundaries. Right. Now, you talk about finding your place and creating your own path within, you know, that community of school and friendships. How was it within your own family? That was different. Uh, My family, 
I come, most of my family is Caucasian. We have a few that have married into the family or are boyfriends of the family that are not. At that time, I was the oldest in my generation. Right. So I kind of was the one that was setting the, the standard and the pathways and figuring out was and wasn't acceptable. Yeah. I've had my, my grandfather say a few things to me that was absolutely unacceptable, and I just kind of stayed away from that. But for the most part, my mother, my aunts, my grandmother, mm-hmm. like, they've all been very open-minded, but they were also raised in a place where, like, everybody loves everyone in the country. Right, right. Like, way out in Yoder and Rush, Colorado, yeah. you know, they're farmers, and, you know, if they have a problem, you go to your neighbor and you work together to right. fix it. And that's really important. Uh, I think that them having that platform to say, hey, you know, I need help. It doesn't matter what skin color, what you look like, what your ability is, whatever you have in your background, and please come and help me because I will help you as well. So I think that really mattered a lot at that time. But it wasn't until I moved out and got with, um, I, I don't really date anybody my race, and, you know, I got with my first boyfriend and he happened to be black and I I can't say that nobody said don't do that everybody had their opinion right, um, including right. my black friends um, you know are you trying to be that quote white girl are you trying to be black is this your trophy hmm. you know those kind of things and at the time I didn't quite understand until I met a family member of a previous relationship and that's when it was difficult for me. I like that, but it sounds like you made it through or you're making a way through right. it because it's different when it hits from family. So right. thank you so much, Elise. Miss mm-hmm. Brenda, your background is very, very diverse. Um, Detroit, Georgia, Ohio, Colorado. For you, if at all, what maybe are some of the struggles or adversities that you faced as an African-American woman with the background that you have? So when you use the term uh, adversities Mm -hmm. and struggles, I don't think I ever thought about any of the things that I experienced in my life as adversities or struggles. They were um, part of life. I like that. They were events. I could sit here and think of in each state that I lived in, I can give you examples of what you would call adversity. Um, For example, when I was um, in Detroit, we were living in an area that I wanted to move away from because I was raising children. It was the East, it was called East Detroit, Mm -hmm. which they've since changed the name because they don't want to be affiliated (laughs) with Detroit. But when I went to move there, I went to a real estate agent and she wouldn't show me any Mm. homes. Mm. Um, In Georgia, I went to interview for a job. My name did not sound ethnic. I had an interview. When I went there that day, I didn't get the interview. They said that he was out of the country. Wow. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Which, so I can name in, in every state 
um, what can be considered adversity. Right, right. But for me, they were just things in my life that I had to face. And I also knew that I had to train my children Mm -hmm. to be prepared for it. So in Ohio, when my son was teenage and dating, and when he would date or if someone from the um, opposite sex would come, I would have to warn him that and say that if this person said you did such and such, Mm. guess what? Right. You did it. So that's when things just really started hitting me because I do look at the world uh, colorless and people say that's impossible, but I think I do. But I did have to take have to take a stance where I had to prepare my son Mm. for the world. Right. So if anything, um, that's the time that things started really bubbling up or coming to a place where you just can't put it aside because I wasn't raised in a household like you, Elise, where people were prejudiced or even coming from the South, my family still are open to people. Mm -hmm. They didn't have any of the things that they experienced make them treat people any differently. But there's a reality to it too right. that we have to face right now I, I mean just sitting listening to both of these stories color wise yes we're different but still some of the issues are the same they're just wrapped in a different package, package. there mm-hmm. now mind you this is a show about mental wellness in my mind I want to say this can't help but impact your your mental wellness your your mindset if you both can speak a little bit about that if it has affected kind of mental wellness mental health or perspective of how you view things um Elise, Brenda, either one of you can go first. Well, I have to speak from the standpoint, like I said, I've, I've tried to uh, love on people mm-hmm. and even coming from a company where we had to uh, talk and interact and work with people from different cultures, not just of racial, but even the cultures um, being different. So I had to learn how to, you know, to operate like that. Um, but for, for me Uh, personally, as far as mental health is concerned, I have gone to therapists and I've been to therapists and they're just a part of my life. It's like a doctor. I have a doctor, a primary doctor, (laughs) and I have um, a therapist. So that's always been a part of my life because even when we think things don't affect us, you can go around and try to treat people fairly. They absolutely affect you and they affect every part of your life and your relationships. Mm -hmm. So um, whether you um, are aware of it or mm-hmm. not, you can't help but be affected right. by those things that happen racially. How about you, Elise? I agree. I think that, you know, I've gone everywhere from feeling angry because I was talked to a certain way, uh, feeling guilty and responsible to make sure that other people felt extra comfortable mm, yeah. going that extra mile because I feel like it's my duty. I'm white. If I don't go that extra mile to make sure that this person doesn't feel a certain way or that person doesn't feel a certain way, I feel like it's a responsibility. And it may not be my responsibility. It may be somebody else's or each individual responsibility. But I feel like it's always been where I I felt like I had to because I felt guilty for the things that my friends have been through, uh, some of my family it just, 
I've, I'm like you. I've continually seen therapists because, not just because of that, though. So right. that is just kind of like filling the cup, and it's spilling over right. into other areas. And, you know, I understand from your point that, you know, it's normal. Uh, well, not really a normal, but like a, a way of living. But for me, it wasn't a way of living. Hmm. And so I didn't have those struggles. I don't, I'm not super scared. I, my heart rate raises when I get pulled over by a cop, but I don't break down in right. fear. Right. And so learning what that means and how that not only affects the people around me, but how I can change it is what it's really I like that. boiled down to for me. And I, I have friends that have been pulled over and they have called me and I sat on the phone and I'm falling because yeah. there's nothing I'm hopeless I'm I'm helpless at this point there's, there's nothing I can do hmm. and same for them you know you're literally at the mercy of another human being and hoping and praying that they're just as nice so you know I think that guilt and the fear and the sadness and the anger right, that right. you get from you you can't do anything you just want to scream at that point and say what is wrong with you how come you're doing this? Yeah. Like this person, that person, whoever, whether they died or not, didn't deserve whatever it is. You know, I can't speak from a black person's point of view, but that's how I definitely feel. I wanted right. to change it and make it better. And if the people around me aren't like that, then it's, you're hitting the wall. I'm, yeah, I'm the same where you are. Right. I'm hitting that wall. I can't progress and I can't digress, but... I'm stuck in the mud. That's a good metaphor. Yeah. Of, and visual of how of how you how you put that. Uh, if you're just tuning in, this show is is rather weighty, but such a great topic. And I have two awesome women sharing their perspectives. But I am your host, Yakita Renfro, on KPPF's talk show, Mind Salad, a diverse discussion about mental health. Uh, next question for both of you. If you could just take a moment and reflect on the topic of our show that's focusing on racial focus within the family and community, what visuals, emotions, and thoughts arise for both of you when you think about this topic? So when I think about this topic, again, coming um, from Detroit mm -hmm. and living um, through the 1967 riot that yeah. was between a neighborhood and the d police, 20 years prior to that was the first riot in Detroit because there was the migration. Mm -hmm. So blacks were pouring in yep. from the South and pouring into the city that was predominantly white. Now, fast forward to today, from that time, I never thought that I would be sitting in the middle yeah. of pretty much what feels like the same situation. How about that? At From years past. So, you know, while there's been a lot of advance, I think that I am so much further and was able to get a lot further than my parents that were there, but the heart of people and accepting each other and all of that. That is what I see and yeah. what I think about when I watch television. I can't believe mm. it's decades later yeah. from 1967. I love that. But it also sounds like an intentional choice of what you're choosing to look at. And we're going to hit on some of those things um, in the next couple questions, too. So that was such a great segue. But for you, Elise, same thing. When you think about the topic, what visuals, emotions and thoughts arise for you? My friends and family. 
And this isn't just like a blood family. This is family. Right, you right. Know, for lack of better words. We like that word. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do too. We like that. <laughs> I do. <clears throat> I feel like I wish it wasn't so. It makes it makes me mad. And it makes me angry that not only do I have to worry about what might happen to my friend or family, you know, being down at some of the riots that were happening, you know, worrying about them, what would a cop do if they happen to get their hands on my friend? I I cannot imagine growing up in the situation that you did. And I, I will say that I'm so sorry that you had to do that. Um, but I'm glad that you're here now because I want to learn from you and I want to accept what your knowledge is, not the books, not what I'm fed, but you know, I want to, I want to know more. And I feel like if I don't ask questions and if I don't stand up and say, you know, Hey, this is a hard topic and it's, it's rough and nobody really wants to talk about it, but everybody wants change then how is it going to change? I think that that's also part of the responsibility factor. I like that. You both are like doing so awesome because they're each segues into one of my questions that I have for you. So this is getting better and better. (laughs) So the next question always tends to solicit a lot of discussion because everybody has their perspective. But I really want to hone in on your personal perspectives. Do you think the media, whichever dynamic you want to think of the media, plays a role in how your personal perspectives has been shaped within your own interpersonal relationships. Mm. If so, please elaborate how. Miss Elise, we're staring at each other hard in the studio, so I'm going to ask you to go first on that one. Yes, media has an enormous amount to do with that. I am fed what the media shows me when we have nothing but white actors and black Hmm. actors not getting the roles and the parts you know the news anchor always looked like me right the um i watched fame and that was probably (laughs) like the right most that i had seen where it was mixed you know i grew up on what's happening yeah yeah. and good times and come welcome back carter like those are the things that i i grew up on and i I'm thankful that my mom was like, yeah, let's watch this, you know? (laughs) But I also had the Archie Bunker. Yeah. And so if, and it's not just media, it's TV, it's movies, it's books in school, it's what I'm told is right, what I'm told your history is from a white person. So for me, I absolutely do believe that it's that, but I had great teachers. I remember this sixth grade teacher, her name was Miss Wallace. I loved her. A larger black woman, but she rode my butt like nobody's business. <laughs> and she got what she needed out of me. Yeah. You know, she needed production, and I was not really the most productive child in the world. And, she, you know, she kicked me in my butt when I needed it. And my mom was so open to not having a stigma. Yeah. You're white, you better act like this. And, oh, that's your black friend? You know, it was never like that. Yes, come on over, join us, let's have dinner. Oh, you wanna go? Sure, go ahead. But let me meet their parents. And it didn't matter if they were white or black, but that's the type of parent that she was at the time. And it makes me sad that my children, I didn't let my children watch TV because it just is toxic and, you know, it doesn't make sense to me. So fortunately I was able to kind of divert that a little for them. 
But yeah, I think it's very important and wish it wasn't so. <laughs> Shout outs to Miss Wallace, though. Shout outs to Miss Wallace. Absolutely. Miss Brenda, could you answer the same question? Yes. I know as an adult, a mother, grandmother, we tell children that what they watch on TV and read and all, how it influences them. Yeah. It's not just children. It's all of us. 100%. And I have found myself... Um, actually succumbing to some of the media and things that have been on television. Things that I thought couldn't touch me, hmm. did touch me during the the past few years yeah. of the dynamics of what's been going on in our nation, in the country, in the world. Right. Actually, right. you know, it's everywhere because within media now, with social media, it, it, it goes everywhere yeah. and it's coming from yep. everywhere. So I found myself watching movies, watching things that were stirring up emotions and mm-hmm. feelings yeah. Um, that I never experienced before. Um, even at this age, you just think that you've gone through this, you've right. gone, and it's over. But it's not. Mm-hmm. And it's influenced by that. So I have had to be very, very intentional and selective right. of what I bring in, either from television, however, mm-hmm. I have to be selective. But once it does get in, you have to make a decision about 100%. what you're going to do with those feelings. Right. And if those feelings are coming out, of my mouth out of my actions looking different than who I want to be Mm -hmm. I have to do something about it Mm. I have to but it definitely influences um, yeah it influences all of us and what Mm. I'm hearing from both of you whether it's from the influence or that intentional choice is there's a responsibility that it sounds like you Mm. both had to take a stance and whether it was for you Brenda the the responsibility of I'm not just going to watch everything that comes in but putting in a filter Mm. and a boundary because you were being triggered and different things stirred up or for you Elise saying you know what I'm going to take what my parents did the good the bad but I'm going to do my own thing with my kids too so different boundaries and filters that it sounds like you both have had to take um, which I, I, I love that so much and so we're about to start winding down but I don't want to leave without getting a nugget of wisdom from from both of you so one last nugget that each of you would want to share um with the audience and with the listeners here about your experience in, you know, this this racial focus within the family and community. What's something you would like to leave for the listeners? I was <laughs> just going to say this is so not original, right. but it really okay. is for me. It just closes things up for me. And this was a quote. I know I'm not going to get it right. Yeah. But it's Mahatma Gandhi. Okay. And it is it. We need to be the change that we want to see in the world. That is what I he love said. That. Yep. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think that it's not one person's responsibility and if you have friends or family, you can ask questions and have them, you know, be open to saying something. And it's that openness that's really going to start the change, whether it's between the grandparents and the children right. or the mother and the child, I think is really important. We teach yes. one, learn one. That's another, that's another kind of yeah. teach one, learn one that, yeah. that we can go in. in the, and it's timeless, the one from uh, Gandhi of being the change we want to see in the world. It, golden rule. 
You yes. think about kind of, you know, in, in a way of the golden rule. So Brenda and Elise, I, I don't even know how to say thank you so much for this, but the way I'm going to say thank you is lunch on me. And we're going to do a part <laughs> two of this because there's so much content I think is still left um, to share with our listeners out there. And I want to make sure we're eliciting conversation and discussion and change. So if you're up for it, Let's schedule that part two of of this. So thank you for that. Next week's week's host for Mind Salad, a diverse discussion about mental wellness, will be Mr. Kyle Bridgman from Project Ember Counseling. And as always, my reflection of the day comes from my awesome daughter. We were talking about um, being kind to one another, and she shared that sometimes we need to check in on people and just ask, are you okay? Signing off, this is Yakita Renfro. It has been my pleasure to be your host for today. You've been listening to Mind Salad, a discussion of mental wellness issues and topics with a rotating panel of mental health providers. Heard every Sunday at 1130 a.m. on KPPF. And be sure to listen to the podcast on Podbean. New Beginnings Therapy and Healing strives to embody the vision and mission to assist and empathetically walk with individuals in this journey called life as they explore, recover, heal, and grow to create the new beginnings they desire to see in themselves. New Beginnings Therapy and Healing is equipped with well-versed staff and clinicians that are prepared to support your mental health journey. If you're struggling and ready to create a new beginning, call today at 719-428-6024. New Beginnings Therapy and Healing.